Good morning. The reading for today is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, Caitlin. Good morning, church. Good to be with you all. Uh, my name is Tyler. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm delighted to get to be here and share God's word with you. Uh, if you're just catching us for the first time, or maybe you've been out for the last couple weeks, we just announced on November 6th our Sacred Space Building Initiative. And if you are tired of hearing about this already, just bear with me. And if you've already given, thank you for giving. Um, but for those uh, who have not contributed, would you take time to consider if you haven't already? Um, Helena and I, my wife, have been thinking through and praying through what could we give over the next three years over and above our regular tithe. So if you would uh, do us the honor of considering that as well um, and join us in that. When you're ready, if you'd like to, you can you do that using the link on the card in front of you. This takes you to a giving page where you can either uh, set up a gift or um, let us know what you plan to give. That would really help us in our planning. Uh, but thank you for uh, considering supporting the mission of God's kingdom at, at Redemption Arcadia. So uh, you might have gotten as you came in, or if not, there's some of the connect us. There's a women's event coming up soon. And then if you don't get our monthly e uh, newsletter by email, there's a print version of that as well at the Connect Desk. Make sure to check those out. Now, let's see. There are, okay, a few kids in here. If you're looking around and you're wondering, why are all these stinky, smelly kids joining us here today? Yeah, I'm, talk I'm talking to you guys. Uh, today is Family Sunday, and hopefully, parents, you knew that before you came. But if you didn't, then connect with us because... There's some emails you're missing or, or something in there that got messed up. So uh, we'd love to keep you informed of what's going on there. But let me remind all of us that today, although this, this group so far is insanely quiet, you should have heard first service. It was a wonderful chaos mess, but it was great. So uh, grown-ups in the room, it's going to be a little different today. You might hear kids making noises and doing what kids do. That's okay. We love it. Um, what's really cool is to remember this. These are these moments that these kids here today are going to remember. When they grow up, they'll go, yeah, I remember joining in big church sometimes as a kid. We want them to know that this big church thing, whatever mysterious thing we do in here on Sundays, uh, that that's for them too. We want them to really know that. And so we think it's worth it. It's going to be great. And so, kids, let me talk to you for a sec. Did you all get one of these on your way in? Yes. Okay, cool. This is bingo, and since you're not over 60, let me tell you what bingo is. Uh, bingo, yeah. Uh, bingo 
When you hear me say words, I want you to use the crayons you got to mark them off. And you need five in a row, up, up and down, side to side, or diagonal. It's got to be all five. Most of the kids last service had all of them filled in, uh, but one. And I'll try to make that one more clear. So my hope is that the coloring pages you got, the snacks you got, the bingo cards you got, everything is to help you focus and pay attention. So parents, we're, we're doing our best to help you out this morning. All right, and then I'm also, just as a warning, I'm going to share a story with the kids in the middle of the message today, and it'll feel kind of different for us. We don't really do something like this often, but I'm going to have all the kids come sit on the aisle here on the floor with me, and I'm going to read to them as part of our service. The last time we did this, Pastor Tyler Thompson reminded us that on family service days, it's tradition, it's custom to have a little mini teaching for the kids, and so we're going to do that this morning too, and it's, it's going to be sweet. So kids, here's your first word. You ready for your page? I've already said a couple of them, but here's an easy one for you, okay? The New Testament was originally written in Greek, and the Greek word for family or household is oikos, oikos. So find that word on there and cross it out, and now you're on a roll. This is, if you couldn't tell by our lobby, uh, the first week of Advent, and we're really excited. And to be honest, uh, at my house, we've had Christmas lights up and a tree up since November 11th. So for some of you, you're like, yes, amen, and others, you're like, how dare you? That is, that is insulting, but it happened. Throughout these next four weeks of Advent, it is our hope and prayer that you begin to think deeply about the fundamental change in perspective that an encounter with Jesus brings. When he comes, he redefines so many things. And we're just going to zoom in on a few. And this week, we're looking at what he has to say about the concept of family as Jesus sees it through the story of his parents, Mary and Joseph. So let me pray, and then I'll, we're going to dive right into Joseph. Uh, God, today especially, and through this series, would you show us and speak to us, Holy Spirit, on, on ways that our perspective is changed. A lot of this is just the reality that happens when you save us. Things are different. Many things are different. And so for today, God, the, for the concept of family, would you show us something beautiful from your word? Something that we would see and behold and, and our hearts would leap within us? And then our hands and our minds would follow that and seek to obey it, seek to live it out. God, we want to be more like you. We're here, many of us this morning, because of your love for us. You interceded in our lives. You changed our lives however many years ago. And here we are now ready to learn more, ready for more of you, God. We could never get enough. So would you do that work in us this morning, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen first character we're going to look at is Joseph. And Matthew and Luke do a really good job of giving us each perspective. Matthew gives us Joseph's. Now, what you need to know about Joseph is he is a descendant of King David, which is really important. If you've been here with us the last 21 weeks, we just finished a series through the Old Testament called We Want a King. And it looked at the life of Solomon and Saul and King David. Now, and Joseph, here we are in this scene, he's about to be married to Mary. Now, imagine for a moment, if you will, imagine from Joseph's perspective the anticipation of that, what he's about to step into. 
Picture what he would be imagining. What would his married life be like? What are his kids going to be like? He's thinking of all of those things, the hopes, the dreams. Imagine what Joseph is feeling right now. And, and just keep that image in mind as we read this story from Joseph's perspective first. So Matthew 1, starting in verse 18, and we'll read through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. I'm sorry, pause right there. Think of the, the wonder of that sentence. Think, just, we just finished this series in the Old Testament. Think of how many people would kill to hear what we just heard. Now the king we've been waiting for, here's how it happened. This is how that promised king came. Now the birth of Jesus came in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So they're betrothed, which is similar to engaged, but there's an extra legal element there. It's, it sits kind of in between what we know as engaged and married. It's sort of in between there, but it's committed. And to be seen as cheating on your spouse, even during the betrothed period, would have been seen as adultery. This was really serious stuff. Now, think again from Joseph's perspective. His dreams for his family, they all come tumbling down when he finds out that Mary is pregnant and it's not his child. Everything changed. His hopes, his dreams for what his family would be like would never be the same. The angel Gabriel, Gabriel visits him in a dream using language of verse 23 that would have been known by heart to Joseph. It's a clear indication that the child in Mary is not an ordinary child. This is not the result of adultery, but Mary instead is a faithful wife, and she's going to be described later as a servant of God. She describes herself that way. Now, importantly, when he awoke, he obeyed the word of the angel. Easier said than done. He got up and he obeyed the word of the Lord, everything he was commanded to do. But, and this is one of the things in this Advent series that will be kind of unique. If you think about it, Joseph's family was still not what he dreamed of. This wasn't what he pictured. This wasn't what he was hoping for, dreaming of. He accepted Mary as his wife, although they weren't able to be together for many more months. And think about this. He's raising a child that's not really his. He doesn't get Joseph Jr. He gets Jesus. When he pictured his family as a boy, this probably wasn't the image he had in mind, right? You see the sense of that? But still, Joseph obeyed because 
his love of God, his trust in God, and God's plans for his life was greater than the hope and trust he put in his own plans, his own timeline, his own dreams. He trusted God more than those things. Now, let's jump over to Mary, over to Luke chapter 1, and this gives us what's going on from her perspective in the passage. So we're going to read verse 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her, the angel, and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How? How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. I just picture Mary there going, Oh yeah, that cleared it up. Thanks. All good now. Totally makes sense. And behold, your relative Israel, uh, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Here's the shining gem, the center of this passage. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary believed that, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary obeyed too, just like Joseph. These are faithful people. When they hear the word of God, they obey the word of God. They let God's word change their perspective, their life, their trajectory. They knew nothing is impossible with God. If God says it, it must be true. Because although this family is not what they imagined or how they imagined it would happen, they both valued God over even family. When Jesus came... He redefined all their hopes and dreams. And as we'll see, God had something greater in mind for them. Okay, now, this is the, this is the part that's going to be a little different for us today, but it's okay. It's a different kind of service. You kids are being so good, by the way. Well done. I'm going to ask all the kids to come up. You don't have to bring your papers with you or anything, but come up and sit in the center aisle, and I'm going to come down here. And we're going to do a little story time together. And grown-ups, you get to just listen in and enjoy the cuteness. All right, come on in. Have a seat, you guys. Every kid, I forgot to mention this, every kid that comes up gets a prize out of this box. If that doesn't get, okay, I saw a few more run up. Yep, that's how it goes. All right, so come on, have a seat. Okay, can everybody see? Not the worst part of the job today. Not the worst part. Hi, guys. Good to see you. Okay, ready? 
everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. God was coming to help his people, just as he promised in the beginning. But how would he come? What would he be like? What would he do? Mountains would have bowed down. Seas would have roared. Trees would have clapped their hands. Can you picture a tree clapping their hands? That's kind of weird, clapping its branches together. But the earth held its breath. Everybody hold your breath. The earth held its breath. As silent as snow falling, he came in. And when no one was looking, in the darkness, he came. There was a young girl who was engaged to a man named Joseph. Do you see the young girl? Yeah, right there. You're still holding your breath? Okay, you can let it out. (laughs) Joseph was the great, 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 great grandson of King David. One morning, this girl was minding her own business when suddenly a great warrior of light appeared right there in the bedroom. He was Gabriel, and he was an angel, a special messenger from heaven. Do you guys see Gabriel right there? He looks bright. When she saw the tall, shining man standing there, Mary was frightened, as you would be if some shining man came into your room. You don't need to be scared, Gabriel said. God is very happy with you. Mary looked around to see if perhaps he was talking to someone else. Mary, Gabriel said, and he laughed with such gladness that Mary's eyes filled with sadness. You're going to have a baby, a little boy. You will call him Jesus. He's God's own son. He's the one. He's the rescuer. The God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around. The God who made the universe with just a word. The one who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby. Wait, God was sending a baby to rescue the world? A baby? But it's too wonderful, Mary said, and she felt her heart beating hard. How can it be true? Is anything too wonderful for God? Gabriel asked. So Mary, and here's the most important part. So Mary trusted God more than what her eyes could see. And she believed. She said, I am God's servant. Whatever God says, I will do. So what I hope you learn from that is you see Mary's faith and how she trusted God. Even when she couldn't see what was happening, she couldn't understand everything. She still trusted God, and I hope that you will too. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for this story that reminds us that you are worthy of our trust. We can trust you. We can obey you because you're good. So Holy Spirit, would you help us to do that? In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right, if you came up, come get a prize from Miss Emmy. Thank you, Miss Emmy. All right, so I knew, I knew this was going to happen, okay? So I have something for us to keep us distracted, too. Kids and adults in the room, finish this quote for me. Ready? Ohana. Ohana means? Wow, you guys have seen it, too. And family means nobody gets left behind or forgotten, right? Hollywood loves the concept of family. And grown-ups, okay, now tell me if you know this quote. Ready? This is a little deeper cut. I'm going to do my best impression here. I don't have friends. I got family. 
That's my best Vin Diesel. That's the best I can do. It's not too bad, right? It's cheesy quotes like that and, ca and cars. It's basically all you need to know about the Fast and the Furious movies. I found a YouTube video this week that said, the title of it was, all 33 and counting times that the Fast and Furious movies mention the concept of family. 33. They're obsessed. They're obsessed. Okay, I have a, uh, a slide up here of, of different quotes about family that I want us to just take a quick look at. On your left, these are all Fast and the Furious ones. Every one of them. It's not even close to all of them. And then on the right are other movies and artists and, and poets. Let's just look at a couple of them because they're trying to teach us something that's pretty close to the truth that we're going to talk about. The most important thing in life will always be family. Again, from Vin Diesel or The Rock or someone. But look at the ultimate language there. The most important thing in life will always be family. Another one, there's nothing stronger than family. I don't have friends, I got family. That's like one of the most famous ones. Blood makes you related. Loyalty makes you family. You don't turn your back on family even when they do. Okay, loyalty being a big theme here. On the right, we've got that quote from Lilo and Stitch, famous quote from the Godfather. The strength of a family lies in its loyalty to each other. Uh, this is from Unknown. I actually couldn't find who it was, but we're going to attribute that to Brennan, who was up here playing electric. Let's just say that he said this. A family doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be united. Sticking with your family is what makes it a family. And lastly, family is not an important thing. It's everything. Now, your workplace might use that language, too. We aren't co-workers. We're a family, which just isn't true, though, is it? <laughs> I mean, really, doesn't it just devalue what these quotes are aiming at? Is your coworker really going to be loyal to you when all your other coworkers have abandoned you? Maybe not. Maybe they're just there for the paycheck, too, you know? Here's the other thing, too, is, is your family even like this? Not all families are. Some are. Some aren't. And with so much of cultural wisdom, there is a nugget of truth here. But it's just aimed at the wrong thing. And to try to drill down on the truth of these quotes, we need to turn to Scripture. We need to hear what Jesus has to say about family. Because this infant disruptor to Joseph and Mary's life, Jesus, grew up to have lots to say about the idea of family. Look at some of these scriptures up here that Jesus has to say specifically when he mentions family and teaches on the concept of family. And we can't read all those, but let's look at two real quick. Matthew 8, 21. One of Jesus' disciples comes up to him and says, Lord, I, I want to follow you. I want to I do what you said. But first, Lord, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus says to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Leave your dad to bury himself. Why would Jesus say that? That's the opposite of loyalty, it seems like, right? All these quotes we just read. What about Matthew 10, 37? Jesus said these words, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. 
Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. If you love your kids more than Jesus, you're not worthy of Jesus. That's what he's saying. You know, there's a saying, if you want to mess up your theology, read your Bible. This is, this is one of those moments, right? If your picture of Jesus doesn't include these sayings, then it's not the full picture. Turn to Matthew 12, 46, and we'll camp out here just for a little bit. Jesus gives us a fuller picture of just how he views family right here in Matthew 12. Now, before we read, imagine this scene as most commentators do. Jesus is teaching. He's gaining influence. He's becoming more widely known throughout the area. And here's where they speculate that it's here, possibly, that Joseph had recently died. And his mother and brothers are coming to him to compel him away from this life of moving from place to place and teaching and come in to take his role as the, as the new head of the household, which was custom at the time. Now, none of that is for sure, and it's not necessary to understand the text either, but it helps paint a picture. So Matthew 12, 46 through 50, Jesus is teaching to a crowd. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hands towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. The disappointment, the frustration, the confusion in Mary and his brothers in this moment must have been palpable. Maybe they're standing within earshot and they're going, what, what did he just say? But Jesus was proving an important point. It's no surprise if you've read Matthew up to this chapter. Back in Matthew 6, Jesus says that the most important thing, the thing we ought to consider over and above everything, including family, is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We seek that first. We identify as that first, as part of God's kingdom, part of that, and then everything else comes second, including family. Now, that doesn't mean we treat our families poorly, but it does mean they come second. That's the point he's making. Andrew Bunn puts it this way. Christians are part of a new family, and this new family puts our existing families in their place. It wasn't until my wife and I had lived for a couple years in Los Angeles that we learned the reality of this, maybe for the first time for us. We had, we had moved away from family. We didn't have much family nearby, not much support, babysitting, but we had a church. We had people that over time grew to love us, and we loved them. They brought us meals when Roland was born. They offered to babysit without even asking, without us having to ask, which is such a blessing, by the way, grandmas and grandpas in the room. They acted like family to us. They were family. An older man, he's an elder there now, acted like a father to me there in so many ways. He invited me, or he just wanted to hang out with me. It meant the world to me. Ephesians 2 describes our new family like this, and I wish I could just read all of Ephesians 2 because it's just so good. Verse 19 is the core of what I want us to catch here. 
He says, so then, meaning because of the work of Jesus on the cross, because of the blood of Jesus sacrificed for us, because of that, you are no longer strangers and aliens. Now, he's saying that in the context of the Jews, God's special people, the household of God, and the Gentiles, the outsiders, right? But in the context of the church, you are no longer strangers and aliens to one another. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. God's big family. You're part of that. For the Christians in the room, you are part of that. Romans 12 reminds us of that. Galatians 6 and 1 Timothy 5, they all mention that church, we are the family of God. Now, followers of Jesus, those in here who seek to obey the will of God over our lives, we are the sons and, God, uh, sons and daughters together of God. And here's a crazy thing. Jesus calls us brother and sister. That's wild. That's wild. He calls us brother and sister. Now, what's fascinating is if we look at that slide again of all those quotes, but we look at it through this new framework, this new lens, look at the truth that starts to jump out of these quotes. With this truer definition of family, the family of God, the kingdom of God, we're, we're members of that first. Look at how this, this slide changes and see what's different. The most important thing in life will always be family. There's nothing stronger than the family of God. I don't have friends. I don't have a church. I got a family. You don't turn your back on family, even when they do. On the right side, ohana means family. Family means, the family of God means, no one gets left behind or forgotten. Every time you see a quote now in a movie that references family, if you look at it through this lens, you start to see the truth that that's touching, that's resonating in every heart and every mind that watches those movies. The strength of a church family lies in its loyalty to each other. Didn't Jesus say we'll be known by our love? A family, thank God for this one, a family doesn't have to be perfect. A church doesn't have to be perfect. It just needs to be united. Sticking with your family is what makes it a family. Family, the kingdom of God, and our identity as members of that is not an important thing. It's everything. When we encounter this infant disruptor Jesus, like Mary and Joseph did, it fundamentally changes our perspective on what family even is. And here locally, that means we add each other into our definition of family. More importantly, though, here's the sweet thing. More importantly, Jesus adds us to his definition of family. This is the peace and hope, church, that the world so desperately needs right now. We now have a unique opportunity in a time of deep division to rally together, to link arms as families do, and show the world what unity in truth can look like. Now, you can do that in your community group. That's like a little family within the family. It's another reason to get involved in a community group. How? How, how do we live out this reality? How do we link arms and show the world unity? First, love Jesus. 
Love him more and more every day, every moment. Seek him first. And then prayerfully find other ways to love each other. To invite people over to your house for dinner. People especially that are different from you, outside of your normal friend group. Just get to know your family here. Get to know your family. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we need you for this work. Would you um, speak to us now on how we can live out the reality of these words? This isn't something that we just need to tack on to our lives. Many of us in here are thinking, yeah, but I'm busy, I'm this and that. We just need to live more in to the reality that is. That we, when we're saved, are part of your household, God. We just are. You call us brother and sister, so we call one another brother and sister. And so we treat each other like mothers, brothers, sisters. Holy Spirit, would you give us imagination for what that looks like? For those in this room who are not connected into this family, give them imagination for what that could look like, how to get plugged in, how to be known and to know others to be the change in, in that, to live, it, to live that out. Start with us, Lord. And now as we respond in prayer and communion, we do that as a family here together. Holy Spirit, please continue to bear fruit from your word today. That's all we want is more of you, God, less of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we respond in a few different ways. First, we take communion. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he made a new covenantal family, one that was sealed with his blood. And when we take communion, we remember that. We proclaim that until he comes again. Now, one thing that's special for today is by the nature of this sanctuary, we've always had to do communion this way where you come up the front and down the sides. But think of this today. One of the, the benefits of that is that we are all taking communion at the same time. We are living out the, the reality of our being a family by repenting and receiving communion together. And that's a sweet thing, so keep that in mind as you pray. We also sing during this time. We humble ourselves before this infant Jesus, and we humbly worship him. We give during this time. There's giving boxes at the back near the lobby, and we pray during this time. So we'll have staff and deacons who would love to know how to pray for you now, how to pray for you this week, what's coming in your week that you'd love prayer for. We'd love to join you in praying for that and, and be a family to you in that way. And so let's take communion now when you're ready. When you come back to your seat after some prayer, receive communion and do it together as a, a family. Let's do that now. songs as I often do 
every song I sing, but you never do. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. It's all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, I've nothing else fit for a king, except for a heart singing hallelujah, Just one move with my arms stretched wide, and I will worship you. So I throw my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a Except for a heart singing hallelujah, Oh, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. Cause you've got a light inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. You've got a light inside of those lungs. Get up and So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, 
I'm nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. Sing that praise one more time. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and wait. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Let's sing that again. One of my favorite songs. And joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. 
grace it makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders wonders of his love Please bring your Advent study guide. We're going to use this all throughout the Advent series. Uh, our team, uh, Melissa over here and Malia over here in particular, put a lot of work and thought into this. So please take this with you. In particular, there's some reflect reflection questions on page five I'd love you to look at in light of God's word today. Let me read this on our way out as our benediction. Again, this is what we read from Matthew 12. Remember the scene where, uh, where Jesus says, Who? Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Think of this in the context of him saying this to us, over us, this week. Stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So go with that image in your minds this week. Go live all of life, all for Jesus. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next week.